Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Above the Bar podcast, where each week we belly up to the bar with a new guest, find out what they do, who they are, and what makes them great. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. Alrighty, folks, we are back. It is Saturday Night Music, and as this was coming up, oligarchy can yell at me and scold me because I just realized we may have to put something on him. I did not create a clip of your of your new song now, so I will haze All myself. Right. I will haze myself later, but I will let you play it. So hopefully, you got something that you can key up for us a little a little taste bit here. But again, we have with us oligarchy withers i'm gonna tell you folks i've listened to his song now uh it's got a new album getting ready to drop i think it's february 17th if i'm remembering the date right uh yes sir, and, yes, sir. that's correct and it's called until there is nothing left to imagine and uh we were talking before the the show and it made perfect sense uh look at that crazy aunt rose is there uh and it made perfect sense when i was listening to this that it sounded like if Ann Rice and Beethoven wrote an album, it's got a real like dark, a little bit of a uh, softness like that. I don't know how to go listen to the shit. Like that's the best way I can say it. Oligarchy can explain it way better than I can. I'm lucky I can play the radio, but we'll leave it. We'll leave it at that. Um, but brother, welcome to the bar. Thank you so much for having me. I'm gonna post this link to the song real quick here in the chat. There we go. This is so our- that way. That way, anyone who's so inclined can just go. So this is our chat. So what I'll do is I'll copy that. Perfect. That you sent me that, and I'm gonna put it here in our live chat. And what I'll also do, folks, is when we are done with tonight's show, I will put this also in the show notes. So anyone who's looking to to take a listen to it can jump on there and check it out. But those of you that are listening to us live after the show, I don't want you to listen to it during the show. You can listen to it after the show. We'll have the opportunity to jump on here and, and check this out. So, and I got to tell you, for those of you that are le- watching this live with me, Oligarchy got one hell of an apartment here. I mean, it's, it's not bad. I can't complain. I, look, I mean, it that I'm looking at is I'm, I'm a horrible person. It's still daylight out there. I'm checking out out the view out. Now you're downtown Portland. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm right near Pioneer Square. Um, so I think this is the third tallest building in the city. I got a thing for heights. I really like uh, like tall buildings. I find them kind of inspiring, especially ones with like crazy views. And the curtains are obviously down a bit, but it's it's pretty nice to wake up to most days. Now, how long have you been in Portland? Um, I've been here just over one year. Uh, prior to that, I was basically down in Hollywood for about a decade. So, so we definitely got some stuff to talk about from oh, from, yeah. Ida- from Idaho to Hollywood to Portland. I mean, yeah, you you've been a little bit of everywhere. So let's go ahead and do our house cleaning. Make sure the house is in order before we get too deep into this. Now I've teased you with a little bit of what oligarchy's got going on here. First thing first, as always, folks, sticker in a cause. You got something going on. You've got something you're trying to support, whether it be a band, whether it be a podcast, whether it be uh, a charitable organization, anything and everything that you you can think of. You send me a sticker. We'll talk about it live here on the air. 
Uh, we did get a, a, a great, amazing gift. Came right out, out of Baltimore. Uh, and you know me, I'm a big homer. If it comes out of Baltimore, in my opinion, it is the greatest thing ever made. There's nothing better than that. Uh, you know, I love my, my Baltimore stuff. So Royal Beard and Maine sent me a can of Beard Bomb. And I'm going to have to ask, ask uh, Oligarchy here in a minute because he's got pretty amazing hair. doesn't have a beard, but he's got pretty amazing yeah, hair. Yeah, no beard, but good hair. You're he's right. got good hair. We'll have to see if he if he has to do the same thing because I got a good beard. So I have to go deep into the beard game. And uh, they sent me this. And it, what I liked, first things I noticed was for a beard bomb, they're normally two and a half ounce cans. This is a three and a half ounce can. And all the ingredients I can read. There's nothing in here that is in a chemical form that I'm going, nope, don't have a degree in chemistry. Can't read that. Shea butter, beeswax, mango butter. So I, I can read all these things, and my wife gave it the best compliment she could have. She smelled it, and she goes, it reminds reminded her of when we were on our honeymoon and the place we stayed at. So can't say – can't give a better compliment than that. Uh, so check out Royal Beard and Maine Grooming. They're on uh, Instagram. They have a website, and uh, we thank them for this opportunity, this gift, and I put it on my beard today. I think it's looking pretty good. Might have to go yeah, I think so too. Thank you. You know, good, good beard yeah, says wish, a lot. I wish I could grow a beard. I have. A, I don't know. You got a little scruff. Not there yet. You got a little scruff, going. Scarf, but it's uh, it's getting more consistent. But it's not there yet. You know. Are you gonna? Do you want to go the full beard? Do you want to do the full beard game? I think eventually. You know, I think maybe a few more years of the scruff, and then I'm gonna yeah head towards that like Jared Leto type. No. Oh, beard. you want to go the Jared Leto? Maybe not the super long one, but uh, you know, split the difference, kind of. All right. I mean, I'm, I was curious how, where, how far you would be willing to go with it, you know, and that tells you a difference in generations. You say the Jared Leto and I, and I, I'm thinking the Letterman and that's a, and you, do you know who Letterman is? Uh, David Letterman. Oh, yep. oh, okay. David. You're talking that one. Yeah, I did. What, what reminded me of formidable beard. I watched one of the funniest movies I've watched in a your movie guy. Uh, yeah, depends on the movie, but yeah. Have you watched on Netflix Between Two Ferns? No, but I, I, I remember seeing that. Uh, You've seen that probably the, So that's with uh, Zach Galifianakis going cross-country to do his talk show that is supposed to be on well, public. With David Letterman, right? Well, he interviews Letterman at one point. Okay, okay. And it's one of the funniest movies. I haven't laughed that hard in years at a movie. Like, that's like, like if you just want a belly laugh, that's a definitely a belly laugher. But you're already getting some uh, fandage here, brother. Uh, oh yeah, I can't even tell. So Crazy Aunt enough. Rose, Crazy Aunt Rose wants to know what part of Idaho you're from. Uh, I grew up in Twin Falls, uh, super south, like three hours north of Salt Lake. Um, yeah, yeah. Like, was there any like? So we talked about this a little bit, and we're gonna just jump right into it, folks. We kind of mentioned this. When I mentioned about the whole Beethoven thing, so so you taught yourself Beethoven at age seven. Yeah, I mean that's an approximate thing. Memory is only so good. Right, right. Either way, or a very early age, um, just kind of remember having this little really bad shitty keyboard, and you know it started playing Fiorelis, and I was like, oh, you know, that's just I love that. Just taught myself kind of by watching the little uh, notes flash, you know, and then uh, since then always love Beethoven, always tell people he's my favorite artist. 
I mean, I, I just watched the whole thing on him. Like, I never realized because uh, what's his last symphony? The, the I don't know. The um, ninth is that the ninth? It sounds like it could be definitely right, but to be honest, I'm not entirely sure what his last. He was, was completely deaf by that point, he, which is one of the things I respect so much about him. Like, like how do you you know that's just such a crazy thing to think about writing music. And, and I think I, I've had a few artists on, and I'm, I'm always curious of your process because I think all of us, no matter what you're good at, mm-hmm. whatever you have a passion for, you have a process to it. And I don't care what that is, whether it be making breakfast in the morning or making music in the evening, you have a process to it. And I'm always curious. Uh, Crazy Aunt Rose says, cool, I went to high school in Chalice, Chalice, have family in Salmon. I don't. Yeah, I think that's more northern, but um, I don't think I've ever been there. Well, yeah, we need Clay. Definitely should be sharing with Clay. I have to get you. See, there you go. We could get you with Clay, and Clay's like the most wicked drummer that I've ever heard. That's hard to find, good drummer. uh, Well, he's like, he's on that level that this guy's going to, like, working at the uh, museum, or not museum, but... uh, yeah, the Museum of Drumming. That's what it was. I think that's what it was. But like all this crazy stuff. He's amazing. Uh, and that's his mom, Crazy Aunt Rose. So right on. we love her. So you're you're growing up. Tell me about growing up as like, were you a prodigy? Uh, phew, that's a dangerous word. Um, I mean, I I think I just worked really, really hard at what I loved. And what I did love was music. And that was my sole focus. I, I tend to be at the obsessive to an unhealthy degree about things I'm interested in and so with music that was definitely one of them and that I can't say that hurt in becoming really good at it um, and the emotional connection is something that's necessary too you know on some sort of soul level I feel like that's my way of interacting with uh, whatever the soul is and it's just always spoken to me music has now so growing up, were you, were you, so when I think of musicians, there's the very traditional route, played in high school band, played in church bands, played in, you know, that type of, you know, very fundamental music, I guess is probably right, the best right. way to describe it. Very, That's fun, a good way to say it. very fundamental, you know, learning chops, learn your notes, move on from there. Were you that person, you know, or were you on the other side of it? And it was, um, I threw a couple pops up in the air and that shit sounded amazing. So I added that to my sound almost, you know, that level. What was it for you? I think it was both um, to some degree. I started with self-taught completely piano. And then um, my parents kind of geared me into lessons, obviously, seeing that I was so inclined. And I, to be honest, I did not care for lessons as a kid, uh, mostly because I couldn't choose what I was playing. And most of the songs that, you know, you first learn, you know, your chopsticks, your pop cross buns type material um, is all major tonality, which I do not care for typically. Um, and so that really turned me off to the whole thing, but I still learned a lot. And it's because of that early ingrained teaching that it probably the rest of it came more natural to me. And so then I stopped playing piano at like age 12, 13. I was just like, I don't, I'm not having fun. And then I just got a guitar 
kind of randomly once Guitar Hero came out, you know. I mean, friends, <laughs> really, yeah, that, it was really fun. And then that's great. My best friend won his uh, won an actual guitar from a competition playing it, and I just was messing around with it one day, and he's like, you know, you're better at this than I am. Like, maybe you should actually do that. And so my sister, God bless her, lent me probably 60, 70 bucks, and I got that, you know, basic starter kit, you know, shitty <laughs> a guitar that makes your fingers literally bleed. But uh, like, yeah, I played it like a, a pickup, like a cheesy pickup on it. Yeah, like the what, strings are like yay high off the fretboard. <laughs> what was the Brian Adams song? Well, I was just saying it's like the Brian Adams song where oh, like, those fingers bled. It's yes. me, like you know, literally doing that. Summer of '69. Exactly. Yeah, I I know it. So so were we making having like. Like what kind of bands were you were you putting? Well, let me ask this question. It's probably a better question. Were you putting bands together in high yeah. school? That kind of thing. Soon as I could, um, that was you know cool thing to do. All the girls like that, so you know, got to <laughs> do what that. Man. About. Yeah, I'm, and so just started putting together bands, climbing that garage band ladder to success in a small town. And then once I plateaued and I couldn't go any farther, um, you know, I got into music school in Hollywood. And I'm like, I'm just gonna move there on a whim out of high school don't know a soul just did it so so what is what is small town idaho uh plateau of success for a band what is that it's not 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 Uh, (laughs) um we were i think in a couple you know like ap mentions magazines stuff like that we we opened for a lot of more established bands which was okay um you know things like motionless and white of machines um and that was really cool experience, just nice. especially especially being in high school, you know, and listening to these bands and, and getting the chance to actually perform with them, even if it's just opening, you know, as they pass through town. Dude, that's awesome! Motionless yeah. and white, nice. Chris and Chris was such a nice guy, and I always remember that about him. So we had somebody on recently, just talking about the small town piece, and uh, she she's actually not far from you. Uh, in Seattle and was telling us that she played in some band or some small bar. It was like the local, this is really the only place you can play. And she was like, my parents followed me there. Like, was it that kind of thing? She was like, her parents followed her to keep her safe. And then when it was over, like a week later, somebody in that, it was like a biker bar. Somebody in that bar got stabbed like a week later. Um, I avoided stabbings, uh, thankfully. <laughs> However, my I think my first show, like I rented out an American Legion. Oh, no. And then the old folks home. Literally, we rented out like a senior home. This is the only place to bring people. And, you know, and then I remember trashing my parents' rental one time. We had glow-in-the-dark paint and finger-painted the entire rental and then somehow they they came by and they saw it and they were of course livid and they're like we'll be right back this better i don't know what you're going to do to fix this but it better be fixed and so we found somehow white paint from the original house and finger painted back over everything and yeah stuff Um, like that you know well now what what level of music are we playing in the nursing home is this like are we at guar or are we at like uh or at like, I don't know, uh, what's it? But like, what, I fuck it, I can't think of a band right now. But like, what level of music are we at? Like, what style? Uh, man, not good. This is like you know when you're first 
first experimenting with being in a band and you have no idea what you're doing. You're playing with horrible equipment, um, you know, just terrible. It was probably, yeah, like really bad post-hardcore Metallica type stuff. I think we even covered the cover of Turn the Page that Metallica covers. Not, so you were doing covers of covers? Exactly. So, you know, that, that gives you an idea of, but, uh, I, you know, within a year or two, I was in the more popular, like the band in town that was like more popular. And so, you know, rising up. So it was the, just the one band in, in, in high school or was this like, Oh uh, no, no. Oh, no. Probably <laughs> 10, 10 to 12, you know, at some, I was the kid that was always in like as many as possible. Like at some points I'd be in three or four. And so, so if they were starting a band, you had to get a phone call. You were like, "Well, if you're gonna yeah, do this, you, you you better you better call oligarchy and, and ask him what the deal is." Well, I just you know I tried to. I was like, you know, this is what I want to do. I better take it serious. I better learn as much as possible from as many different people as possible, especially people better than me. And that's how you learn to get better fast. Now, do you have one of those towns like no one famous has ever come from? Or Nikki Six grew up. Um, no shit. Yeah, Nikki Six is also from Twin Falls, Idaho. I think he might have That's been awesome. slightly outside, but uh, he he definitely spent part of his childhood there, if I remember from the dirt. Yeah. So, did you ever read that book? I did, and I was like, "Are you kidding me? What?" <laughs> like, I never, <laughs> like, never thought I'd see the day. Like, like that's a book that I can't even. I don't even think I could talk about things that are in that book on a podcast. That is completely what anything I want to say. Like, right. I think I would get banned, get banned right away. Yeah, yeah, it's an entertaining book. Oh, oh, Crazy Aunt Rose thinks oh, you're sexy well, as hell. You. Thank you. Oh, always, you a, always a compliment. Crazy Aunt Rose is right on it tonight. All right, my one. Watch yourself. She know she knows all about. She knows that Idaho area, and she's in Utah now. I think so. My one. Watch yourself. Oh yeah, I better. Uh. So, so we're, we're in a band, you, you hit the, you plateaued in the area, you're covering nursing homes, yeah. um, <laughs> lo, local, uh, rodeos and anything else you can play at. Exactly. Uh, it, so 19, it's off to Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Big, big, big uh, decision, big step. I mean, cause especially no one, no one leaves the town you're from, you know, towns like that is rare. And not knowing anyone, especially, is a big thing. I worked construction, you know, to make some money. And, you know, worked out really well. So glad I did it. You know, best decision I probably ever made. Now, now, what was that like? I mean, what, some of these things you're telling me, like, I, I could hear your songs playing as, like, you're, you're packing your stuff into a hatchback car and waving goodbye to the family and, and heading off into – into Hollywood and everybody's kind of going like, all right, you know? Oh yeah. I mean, I got, you know, I got a lot of people that were like, Oh man, you know, don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do this. There's a lot of people like, Oh, you know, why you that's a waste, you know, my guitar teacher, um, who I studied with for just six months as prep to brush up on some theory before moving. He, you know, it's such a sweet guy said it from the bottom of his heart was like, don't be like me, you know, don't make music your living. And I was like, you know, I'm not really? going to listen. And he, he knew that too. He's like, I know you're not going to listen, but I, I, I feel like I have to tell you, I don't want you to end up, you know, in my situation. Like, 
I respect that. Keith, we all know you're going to get out of Kentucky, but he's in, see, no, he's in just the opposite. My buddy Keith Burry's a comedian. He's in just the opposite. He lives in a town of like seven people, and like four of them are like, what? Well, Loretta Lynn came from there. Another. You know what's crazy? I'm a distant, I think, relation of Loretta Lynn. I was born in Paducah, Kentucky. I I served with the Marine from Paducah when I was in the Marine Corps. But yeah, so Keith, see that look, Keith. Kentucky is everywhere. It's everywhere. Yeah, it's crazy you say that. I I think I think I was told she's like a distant relation. Well, where Keith lives, everyone is related to him. <laughs> very right, different. Yeah. It's very Could different. Uh, and Crazy Aunt Rose wants to know, did you play? We're getting to this, Crazy Aunt Rose. You can't take over my interview. She wants to know, did you play any music while in L.A.? I didn't do much else. Well, it's some of the stuff, but music was always the purpose. For being. Well, well, what were you doing as far as that, so so you get it out to LA. Did you at least know someone out there that could no set one. you up with a place? What, like I didn't how, know a soul. So this this fascinates me because I was a guy. I tell people all the time. I left home at seventeen, graduated from high school, but I went into the Marine Corps. So I knew I had you know a meal, I had a roof, I had a paycheck, I had all those things. I have, I hear people like yourself that say fuck it, I'm just going to pack up and go. That, to me, takes big nuts. Well, I, I mean, it does, but it's also a bit like, I, I had a school, I got into the Musicians Institute, and so, like, they, you know, it's not like I was, like, having to completely fend for myself. They, you know, helped me find an apartment with, like, three other students. Okay. But, but I didn't know anyone, and so it was very exciting, um, you know, terrifying in some ways, of course, but such a great experience. Yes, Keith has more followers on Instagram than he has people in his town. And you guys may be related because he just told me that you. Yeah, oh, there we go. Related. So you there could have go. just you could have just found your cousin right here on the Above the Par yeah, podcast. Long lost uh, cousin, dude. It could be. It could. And you guys could. He. You could play music while he tells jokes. It could be like a whole thing. Do a I've whole show. Respected stand up comedian so much. Like I, I don't know how anyone that one takes huge enough to me. Like standing up by yourself and putting yourself out there that way. I mean, it's, it's wild to me. So, so you're, um, so you, you get out there now, tell me about this school you went to. Cause I don't know it. Like I know, oh, really? yeah, I don't personally know it. I know if somebody tells me they're going to music school, I had an uncle that went to Berkeley and he was a scholarship student to Berkeley. So when I think of music in California or music schools, that's what I know out here, you know, there's Juilliard and things like that. So tell me about what that one is. Uh, Musicians Institute is much more contemporary. I'd say like geared towards bands and rock and pop, um, but still a pretty highly regarded school. Probably not as much as Juilliard or um, Berkeley is, but a lot of famous people go there. Um, a lot of famous people go through there trying to even recruit musicians. Like some, a lot of the guys I went to school with are doing great things. Um, ran into one dude, Matt Spatola. I think he's uh, with TI. I started with there. I'm sure he's doing all sorts of stuff now. Um, and then, but some guy I went to guitar school who's in face, with the Faceless now, I think. Super I amazing guitar player. Uh, tech, tech death metal stuff. Okay, super, gotcha. Super talented guy. Um, yeah, pretty much everyone I went to guitar school there with was great. Like so, so many guys that can play circles around me. So you're so 
it for yourself than it was that school was to hone your craft playing guitar and to and to get to the next step in bands that was the ultimate thing was i wanted to find the next level of band you know i wanted to see where i could go from there because i'd outgrown everything back home so how long were were you with that uh the school yeah uh i think it was a about a two and a half to three year program i was probably there about two years and then i actually got my offer to go on my first tour before graduation and all my teachers were like, Oh yeah, you can go and come back and graduate. And when I came back, I, you know, they didn't let me graduate long story short. So I never actually graduated, but I got to play original music in 30 States. And that was a lot more than most, you know, kids that were going there were doing. I guess for me, music is one of those kind of things that, you know, once you have a talent like you've got, and once you have the abilities like you have, don't you almost have to put it out there on the road, put it out there on those things yeah. to really like, like they, I, I kind of look at it like, you know, I use for me, Marine Corps analogies, but I kind of think about it like a sword, you know, they're honing that item. They're creating that item for you. You've, you've created your craft, but you got to hit the road to put an edge on that thing. I think, yeah. I mean, I think at a certain point, yeah, it's like you owe it to yourself and to the art. Like if you're, if you've got the art that should be heard, like you, you kind of have an obligation almost to pursue that. And to me, it's like, I owe it to music. Is how I look at it. Like music's done so much for me in my life that I feel like I owe it this. No. So you've got, I'm going to assume this is probably one of your top two fans is mentioning to me as his father, I've always been so impressed by his courage and, and of course, his musical talent and dedication to his craft. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. a great guy. That is good. So, I mean, so you're hitting the road, and you hit the road with big bands. Um, I mean, you know, a, a Stitched Up Heart was definitely the biggest, um, and they're they're doing great, I think, right now. There was Century Media, I believe. Um they're awesome. Um, the I'm so glad we still keep in touch. You know, had a lot of great years on the road with them. So, so what was? See, the road to me. We've all seen the movies. We've all heard the <laughs> stories. Like we joke around. We were just joking around about the whole uh, Motley Crew, the book, and everything. What was in your mind when? Because how old were you when you hit the road for the first time? First time, probably 1920. So 19, 20 years old, you're a kid, you're sitting there and you're like, somebody just dangled them keys in front of you and said, Hey, time to hit the road. What was in your head? Like, let's go with perception versus reality. Like, what did you think that that, like this was going to be like before you, you, you hit the road? That's a good question. I don't know if I've ever really thought about it. Um, I thought it'd be exciting as hell probably. Um, I didn't realize how hard it would be. I don't think anyone ever really does um, until they do it. But especially being an independent artist that has no legal support, pays for everything as the band, like buys our own gas. We were booking our shows, even with the booking agent, booking the shows ourselves on the the next town sometimes even. Um, And, you know, as happens, getting fucked over by promoters sometimes, you know, and to me, I was... I didn't realize how hard it would be, I guess. So, 
so now you're out there. Is there is there anything that happened out there? Because I'm always curious about these road stories. I'm always curious about those. Like, was there anything out there where you went, holy shit, this shit's going down right now. This is happening. Oh, yeah. Right oh, now. Like, yeah. like, I know your dad's listening. I don't know if anybody else that you may not <laughs> want to know is listening. But we're going to put it here at the bar right now. Was there anything out there where you were like, some, some bitch, that just happened? Oh, yeah, man. I Countless, countless times. I mean, almost on a daily basis, something happened that you're just like, either I can't believe this is happening in a good way, or I can't believe this is happening in a terrible way. Can you give us any good stories? Anything you're, oh. anything, anything non-incriminating? Anything yeah, that the, the anything that the statute of lim- limitations is not up on, or is up on, I should say. Yeah, um, yeah, I'll give you, I'll give you one. Um, my first tour, we're going to play South by Southwest, the nice. huge festival in Texas. Wow. You know, um, so we're driving with. There's seven guys in the band. You know, I don't. I've known them for at most a couple weeks, um, and I've I've spent like a month just drilling the songs, and we're going, and we're like ready to go. And you know, we're all from LA, so we're you know we're guys that, that like to have a good time, and you know we're artistic. And before we go, the band leader guy's like, hey, you know, we'll have fun, we'll have a good time, but no one bring any contraband in the vehicle. <laughs> Of course, makes total sense, right? What a logical thing to say. Yeah. And so we're we're driving to uh, through New Mexico to the Arizona border, and you know it's summer, and one guy driving has a mohawk, the guy next to him has an afro. So you can imagine the border guards, are, and we're in a tour van, like a white van, and uh, I should like a painter's this. van, like a painter's yeah. van, or like a uh... no, it's like a Ford, you know, a Ford, I think. So yeah, like it, like the big fifteen pack van. Yeah, I had three rows of seats, I think. Yep, um, yep. So I should preface this before we go farther with um, I ended up having to wear a shirt that was a giant beer cut up like a, like a some sort of flapping sombrero in the wind because of a tour game we were playing from Walmart. <laughs> and so there wasn't enough room for me in the band to, seat, to sit. So I was wedged between the amplifiers being the smallest and the ceiling <laughs> in the back. So I'm literally laying on top of like half stacks wedged in between the ceiling. If someone hits the brakes too hard, I fly forward and I'm wearing this ridiculous outfit. So we're in line for the border check and, you know, two guys in the band decide this is the time to, to unveil their secret and say, Hey, just so you know, we've got weed in the car. <laughs> and everyone kind of turns around and says, what do you mean? Uh, what do you mean you have this in the car? Why would you do that? And they're like, oh, it's fine. It's in the Sprite can. And, and we're like, those are dogs, you know? Right. They don't care. What are you thinking? And it's too late at this point to do anything because we're like three cars into the line. And so they they take one look at us and they're like, pull the van over. Right. <laughs> pull the van over. They're, they're like, we're searching you. <laughs> and so... They're like, everyone get out of the van. We're pulled over on the side of the highway in the desert sun. You know, I'm wearing this. I'm looking like I'm being smuggled, basically, in the back of this van in this ridiculous outfit, flapping in the wind. Um, There's like 20 federal marshals, you know, like a big operation type thing. And they get the dog out. They like start searching the van. Dog, you know, obviously it's a dog. Smells it. And they say, okay, who's got weed? 
all of us kind of haphazardly looked towards the guys that said that. And we're like, not me. And these guys are like, not us. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> not and today. I, you know, I'm like, this is my first tour. Haven't even played the first show yet. 19, 20 years old. <laughs> are you kidding me? This is, oh my God, you know. And so. I'm too young for Mexican prison. Exactly. Exactly. You know, I'm, I'm just like, my life is over because I'm young and don't know what's going on. <laughs> But anyway, after no one answers anything, they kind of talk amongst themselves, the cops, for a moment. And we're like, they all of a sudden point to one guy in the van. They're like, you, go get your bag out of the car. It's like, okay. He grabs his bag, takes it out. They search it. And they're like, all right, have a nice day. And we're like, okay. You know, and just file into the van, drive away into the sunset. And no one says a word for like half an hour. Just, just silence. Dead silence. And then I think we all just let these dudes have it. We're just like, yeah, no shit. <laughs> and what we think, our theory was that because someone got Popeye's chicken like 20 minutes prior to this, <laughs> um, we we're thinking that somehow it kind of confused the dog's nose enough, maybe that they they did they weren't sure, so they you know they weren't positive, or maybe they just didn't care because you know it's just weed, you know. Right, like really. At the most, these guys got got a, a dime bag on them or something stupid right, like right. that. And we're gonna we're gonna waste our afternoon digging through this shit when exactly. like, people are smuggling. I watched a video the other day. It was a big rig. I don't know if you've seen it yet. And it was a uh, flat the flatbed, and they're pulling just bricks out of the back of it off of one of the like that were like cabled into it and just pulling shit. You guys having like a an ounce of weed on you is like, right. go away. Exactly. You're, annoying. You're annoying me at this point. Keith, not everyone is too young for Mexican prison. You would be sweet meat there. So we make it to our first show. Um, what is that? You know, so you've played, again, you've played small town. You've played back home uh, kind of shows where, you know, and you correct me if I'm wrong, probably a lot of people you knew in the audience. You know, yeah. you could you could say like, oh, there's my buddies, there's my friends. Exactly. So singing to them was like singing to people you may have sang to a hundred times. Right, right. There's a level of familiarity. So here you are now. You're at your first show. If you knew one person in the audience, well, damn, you did good, especially if it, we're talking South by Southwest. And for those who don't know, this is a monstrous music show. How I couldn't even imagine how many sides. Eighty eighty thousand were there. I think that eighty thousand people were there the week. I think we were there, and 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 they they've always got side stages. Oh they've yeah, all, there's at any given time there's like twenty bands playing. Yeah, and then and be careful who you're watching because some giant artist may turn around and go, "Oh, that's a buddy of mine's band that they, you know, I've I've known them guys for years," and just decide to go up on stage with them. And yeah. start playing like that's a big South by Southwest thing is you don't yeah, know a lot, of, a lot of random huge artists just decide to perform. You know? Yeah. Let me jump on stage with these guys and hang out for a minute. Fuck it. They look like they're fun to hang out with. Oh, they're going to do one of my songs. I know that song. Let me get up on stage with them. Yeah. And um, amazing musicians uh, there. Always, so, always South by Southwest is one I'd, I'd like to do. I definitely would like to go check that out. Uh, I, I want to go to Austin city limits and I'm a big fan of Austin. Uh, favorite place in texas for me is austin i've never been uh we have some friends that just moved there and 
they say nothing but good things. And I have another buddy, Scott. They have a show called Talking Beards. And he, Scott just moved there. And he's like, bro, this place is amazing. It's just. I always worry about that. And, and this is, you know, you're in Portland now. You said a lot of people were moving to Portland. And I want to ask you what that first show was like. But do you ever worry? Um, you You have your style of music. You have mm-hmm. what you've created, what you're passionate about. Do you ever worry about any type of corporate tainting or, man, I, I'm going to get bigger and I'm going to get bigger. And then all of a sudden they're going to want me, maybe they're going to want me to cut my hair. Maybe they're going to want me to yeah. change my look because then I can, I can fit in a little bit better. What's your give and take with that? I'm, I don't really give much, um, honestly. Like I, I left my biggest fans because apart when I was in it, um, when they got signed. And so that's not just because it's waved in my face, you know, I'm not going to continue to put up with something I don't want to put up with anymore. And at the end of the day, it's all about like, is the music something I want to continue playing? Do I feel like I'm growing as an artist? Do I feel like I'm growing as a musician, a person Um, combined with, is it successful? Of course, at some level. But, uh, yeah, um, there's not a lot of give and take with me. That's kind of why I'm doing this album entirely myself. I'm playing all the instruments except drums, which I can't. But Man, I know else, a drummer. Exactly. I mean, so I just I refuse to give up control creatively at this point, And I'm really a control freak. I like things done certain ways. I like them to be certain caliber. And at the end of the day, if I do it all myself, I'm the only one I can blame, you know. And you're also putting out, it's a lot of weight to put on yourself. So it is. So, so I want to go back and I know I kind of left turned it into that, but so what was it like for you or, or what would you take, say to somebody who's looking to do their first show, or maybe they've got something coming up that where they have an opportunity to play in front of people that aren't family and friends. You know, this isn't like we said, the more foundational stuff, the, the church or the high school band stuff, and they're going to go out in front of that first crowd. What would you tell them? your experience was compared to if you could prepare in another way or something you could have done to prepare yourself differently. Is there anything like that? Are you t- talking about compared to when you play with people, you know, right. People, you know, um, right. I would say it's easier to play with people you don't know. I enjoy playing to people I don't know a lot because I feel like I don't have to fit any sort of preconceived notion of who they think I am and what they expect. Is there anything you would, you would have done to prepare for that differently or anything that you took even better yet, mm-hmm. anything you took from that, to, that got you prepared that you're like, yeah, I do that now all the time. That's like, that's my I thing. I think the biggest thing is just rep doing it a lot. It, every opportunity you can, you know, until you're seasoned, you know, just play every single opportunity you can as many people in front as you can, because you're never going to get good at it and really good at it and hone your craft and find out how to be great at it until you do it. And no one else can really do that for you. You just got to start doing it, you know, play for as many people as possible. And then you also find out if you don't love it, you know, maybe you don't like that. The live, you're talking about the live piece to, to, yeah, yeah. to playing for Because, you know, most people don't like talking in front of an audience. So, so now you, you kind of hinted at this before, we got in the because I want to talk about the new album, which is until there's nothing left left to imagine, and that's theirs with a apostrophe s. 
there until there's nothing left to imagine, which is going to come out on February 17th. Again, we'll have a link to the, the first song off of that. Now we're going to put that in the bio uh, for those of you that just are joining us. Now, if you scroll up in uh, the conversation, we put a link to it already in there earlier. Um, that's that. Well, Keith's got a good, good question here because him being a comedian, have you ever dealt with like musician hecklers? Is that a thing? I don't even know if that's a thing. I, I, there's, there's one quote I've gotten uh, from another musician who was playing at some dive bar in San Diego. And um, we were talking, my band, you know, just have probably a little drink in a bit and just talking during his performance. And he said, well, I'm going to get off the stage now so the kids with the long hair can talk. And so, yeah, I've, I've definitely got that. I thought it was hilarious at the time. Um, so on some level, yes, but I've been pretty lucky in that it's been really minimal. And if I do get like negative feedback from shows, it's I brought it on myself. Like I did something stupid on stage or, you know, kicked over an amplifier or threw a pie at my bandmate on stage and missed, which happened. <laughs> um, things like that, that uh, I, I brought it on myself, you know. <laughs> so you throw a pie at your bandmate, completely mm-hmm. missed and blasted somebody else. I think it just got all over the stage. And, uh, oh, okay. Yeah. I, I've upset many a sound guy in my time. <laughs> How do you ups- – so I'm – so, again, I keep saying this. I can't play the radio. So how do you upset your sound guy? Uh, I'll give you the worst time. Uh, I was at the House of Blues in Hollywood, and the curtain's, you know, about to open, and I just signed an artist deal with PV and gotten a brand-new amp, like, the day before. I was so excited. And I love to jump off my amps on stage. You know, I love to jump off things, you know, love to go crazy. And so I was standing on top of my half stack right before the curtain opened. And I was like, oh, let's just jump off just to test it. And I did so. And I had the venue's cab, not my cab. And then I hear a crash. And the whole thing had just fallen completely over. The head fell off the amp. And the curtains, you know, minutes opening. And I look over and the sound guy is just shooting daggers at me. (laughs) I was so lucky. I picked it up. Everything was still working, functional. Uh, It was a close call. Oh, so we're kind of moving this story along here. So you said it, you were in a very successful band doing well for yourself. Well, at the time, they were crazy successful. Hold on. Let me fix that for you. As a guy who I I, it, I put you on that same level, like it drives me nuts when people say, like I'm a big sports guy, when people are like, that guy played Division three football. Bitch, you didn't play high school. That's, that's a great point. You got, you had, went to a real music school, legit, somebody wanted to hear you. Other people wanted you to tour with them. Somebody said you were good enough. An artist deal with PV is impressive to me. I ain't got no deal with nobody. So let I'm I'm out here trying to rock and roll it for you're myself. True. True. So yeah, true. so so you you were doing you were successful. You may not have been Rolling Stones legendary on that level, but that's because that's the one percent of the one percent of the one percent. Right, right. You know, you were doing well. So this band, somebody came along. I don't know who if you if you could say who it was. Sign signed this band, and you, Peter Gabriel. I'm out, you know, and for those who don't know, Peter Gabriel was in Genesis and walked away to go do his own thing. So you gave this a Peter Gabriel. Tell me about that, man. That's crazy in my mind. 
It, it is. It doesn't logically. I, every single day since then, almost, I ask myself, you know, was that the right, was that a good thing to do? And I always tend to come up with the same answers. Like, I think it was, you know, I was, I was, it's integrity. It was a question of that. Like, I wasn't inspired. I wasn't having fun. Um, and I was writing, I owned a lot of the music from one of their albums, you know, and I felt like I, I wasn't doing, it didn't make me happy anymore. Can you I, say I the name of that band? Yeah, stitched, it? stitched up heart. Um, I, I love them to death. They're they're great people. I love them so much, and they're doing awesome. So you've got a full album. You you own most of that music. Well, just it was just one album, the Skeleton Key EP, and uh, but yeah, I own the music for that. That's I don't own no music. Still sounds like you're doing pretty good to me. Well, it's it was cool, man. I it was a great time with them. We were like family, you know several years we toured around the country all right so so you you pull the plug on that now is that when you moved to portland or is that mm-hmm. you're still in la what, what's going on there um i decided you know i wanted i was sick of wondering where my next meal was going to come from you know living but I'd, I'd come back with like enough money to pay my rent basically from tour and that in itself is a feat with an independent rock band of course but after a while you know kind of Someone like me, I like to feel like I'm somewhat taking care of myself and in control of money. So I, you know, I think I got a, a real job with like a, a food delivery dispatcher at a company. And I try, I'd made like this EP of myself, kind of like a baby EP that I'm doing now, like a smaller version of that um, with an awesome producer, Todd Bergman, who's really talented dude. But of course, you know, that didn't really do anything. It was kind of uh, something I just wanted to do for myself. Um, but yeah, uh, so I stayed in L.A. another five years or so. So so we're still in L.A. We're there for five years. You're doing music. You're, you're kind of making it happen. Where's the – I guess so I'm curious because it sounds like you were doing good in L.A. Mm-hmm. Why, why pack up and move? I mean, in Portland's great because I always think of Portlandia and – keep Portland weird and, and all those kind of things, but why Portland? Well, at first um, I moved up to north of Seattle. I went just to kind of clear my head a bit. I kept my job and I kind of told them, I was like, look, I'll keep working for you, but I'm going to do it remotely. So they said, okay. And so I was like, all right, well, I'm just going to keep my job, going to move out for a while because LA was, I felt this kind of mental shift and subtle shift in energy out there. Like it always been materialistic because that's part of it, but it always had this artistic soul and this interesting creative energy, but it's kind of turned into less. I, I stopped feeling that after a while, I guess. And, you know, I just, I kind of got depressed, I think by all that. And so I wanted to change. And then so came up to North of Washington for a bit, decided when COVID hit, What's the what's the biggest job security out there? I was like, I got dispatch experience. I'm good at it. Let's try to be like a police or a medical dispatcher. So I tried that. Got an offer for an ambulance company not far from here, and so I've been yeah doing dispatch there. So you were the singing dispatcher. Yeah, it's a strange combination. Never thought I'd be uh, dispatching ambulances. Have you ever? sang while dispatching a call i know that sounds nope. like a stupid ass question absolutely not those those i do not like mixing work and art at all nothing no you wouldn't even write a song about about your job no 
Uh, not, mm, mm, I mean, mm, maybe it may be indirectly, but I don't like combining art with my work. I'm saying you need a, at least one song. We'll, we'll find a lyric or two <laughs> that we can tie in. I mean, it could be, I mean, we could think of this up. I have, I'm telling you, I will come up with something, but that's interesting to me. So, so you're now you're down in Portland. You've got, I mean, those are between Idaho, LA, Seattle, and Portland. I mean, you honed yourself in, in Idaho, and then you've got these three major cities that have got very indie vibes. I mean, L.A., for being materialistic, like you said, I still think L.A.'s got a very indie vibe, in my opinion. Oh, because, and because I don't see materialistic with, like, a negative kind of No, but I know, but I know what you're saying. I mean, it, it's it's the plastic city. To some degree, yeah. But, but it's always still got its heart in Everyone comes to L.A. to try to make it big. If exactly. You, everyone thinks they've got the new great thing. You're coming to L.A. to make it big. So it's got that that vibe to it. So yeah. you've really added three major indie cities under your belt to become you. How has that affected your sound? That's a good question. Um, I think L.A. really affected the music I write a lot because I was exposed to a lot of more a lot of genres I never would have been, a lot of artists I never would have been. I was in more pop bands in LA for a while, you know, and so I experimented more with the more electronic sounds, sometimes more indie rock, which I wasn't exposed to growing up in Idaho. So it definitely gave me some more um, songwriting focus, like less about showing off how fast I can play something, more about, okay, does it serve the song? You know, just how does the song as a whole feel? rather than just one part, you know, one instrument being the focus. So with this new album, um, and again, folks, February 17th, until there's nothing, until there's nothing left to imagine, is coming out, Oligarchy Withers, album comes out February 17th. It it can't be your Valentine's gift, but it could be your post-Valentine's gift. It could be you forgot. Yeah, if you forget to get someone involved, maybe you do that way. You could be like, I didn't buy this for you yet because it hasn't dropped. But that when it does, it could be yours. That's how I sell it. And if you look, well, I guarantee you, I'll make you a promise. An oligarch might, might cuss me out afterwards for this. But I promise you, if you buy one of his albums and then reach out to him on Instagram and say, oligarch, <laughs> you, I bought my girlfriend your album. But I had to cover up the cover of it because Aunt Rose said that you were too sexy for my girlfriend to see. But he will still tell you thank you for buying his album. Oh, of course, I would absolutely. That? Yeah, I would understand. I'd be like, I, yeah, I told burn, you burn the cover off if you want, but you bought it. So <laughs> it's yours. Got, do what the hell yeah. you want to do with do it. Do you want? <laughs> <laughs> so, exactly. so what's your what was your process that like you said you had? You know, you're very. This is what I want. This is how I do it. This is what what I need out of my music. I always think of the band Yes whenever I think of people that are very strict, strict process people. Like, if, for those who don't know, go look back at how Yes makes an album. It might be years to make one album. Yeah, yeah. But there's nothing. There's nothing wrong on that album. There's nothing missing on that album. There's not a note misplayed on that album. Um, so for you. To be able to create this album, what's your process? Well, this one, believe it or not, all the guitar and most of the album was written without an amplifier. I would play an unplugged electric Fender Strat 
and I would have a lot of it just in my head and I would write all the parts for every instrument, put them a sample of each part in a voice memo on my phone, the most archaic, like <laughs> way, least efficient way possible. And then I would catalog everything in an Excel document for every song I've ever written for the last five, six years. I have it listed in an Excel document. Every single instrument has a corresponding cell with examples of the best part. Like for example, okay, here's the bridge. When you forget it inevitably, because you keep writing songs, if you want to go back and find it, here's a recorded example of you playing it. And then, so I have this keeping track. And then I'll often write out in sheet music, because one, I like the aesthetically how it looks in sheet music. Two, you so can actually do it. Yeah, it also hones your, keeps you able to do that skill, which I value. Um, and so I'll write out the instruments in sheet music a lot of the time. Like for a guitar solo, especially, um, the background guitar will have sheet music. And the guitar solo I may not write out because that's extremely tedious for me and I don't have the patience sometimes. Um, but I'll at least make like the tablature, you know, so that at any time, any of my songs, I can go back when I inevitably forget, like I said, a certain part and be like, okay, here's exactly how I played it. And sheet music doesn't like, you know, it, that's how it's played. So we've got this thing laid out. You're, I mean, how, how long did it take you to actually re, re, physically record it? I mean, we hear the stories I've talked about it on here before you hear, you know, uh, what was it? Ozzy Osbourne and black Sabbath. Their first album took a week to record it, which is a legendary album. But I just mentioned, yes, may take years to write an album. So how long did it take you to create until there's nothing left to imagine? I'd say it's, a collection of songs that I've written in the, within the last five years. So you could say it's taken five years. Oh, wow. um, and that's from the spark of each song that takes place to the finished product, which is a master fully recorded um, everything, all the bells and whistles songs. Any plans to tour with this? I would love to, if the opportunity arised where I could do it especially in a way that wasn't starving again, you know, and sleep, <laughs> sleeping on Joe Schmo's floor each night. An absolute, a real writer that actually yeah, covers you, know, you with I, things. Exactly. Like a, a pretty decent, some sort of like, you know, that would be something I would be very interested in. Great. I need only green M&Ms. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like you we're know. talking, I want a Turkish coffee at 7 a.m. every single day. <laughs> Every day, I need, and they need to be served with five green M and M's, all faced to look like W's, to remind me that I am Withers. I need, <laughs> now we're talking. That's I mean, the goal. I mean, that's the we're goal not, is to get to the point where you can just do that. <laughs> I mean, we're not asking for a lot. I mean, this is important stuff here. We need to get to that that point, and you're going to get to that point when everybody on February 17th picks up a cover, a copy of "Until There's Nothing Left to Imagine" by Oligarchy Withers. So here you are how many years have you been doing this now uh i guess like going for the successful band path yeah since life. yeah since you know since let's you moved out 15, of idaho 15 years I, no yeah about 15 years okay so what is your advice to the the up and coming somebody who the the next person that's sitting in in little falls or paducah or somewhere in you know as the song goes by uh the County Crows somewhere in middle America. Um, what are you telling that person when they're sitting there going, 
yeah, I'm packing up, I'm packing up the hatchback to go to LA. What are you telling that person? I mean, I think if you really want to grow as a person and you really want to experience life to its fullest, like you gotta, you gotta put yourself out there sometimes. Like you gotta go for something that may not seem rational, but you kind of have this soul urge to do. And, you know, it may not work out, of course, but it'll probably be extremely difficult sometimes, of course, but you'll probably end up with a life that you have endless stories about and that you're so happy to have lived and feel fulfilled. And that what it's really about, though. A lot of it, let's be I mean, look, honestly, we, we want to be highly successful, have millions of screaming fans and all the things. And, you know, your songs are making it into movies, which, as I was telling oligarchy before this all started his music to me sounds like if anybody can get the word if neil demonte's listening neil come find oligarchy and see if you can get his stuff pushed over to somewhere in la to the people that are going to make the Anne rice tv series chronicles of a vamp chronicles of the vampires and like get a song in i'm saying at least one because that's the vibe i get um, your pic- your pictures help also because they're all Perfect. like black and white and kind of brooding and kind of like oh yeah you, you know that's the look ha- definitely have the look of like my ice cream fell over and I'm not real happy because it hit the ground <laughs> I love that I love that <laughs> uh, yeah yeah uh, my ice cream has gone to the ground what Perfect. am I gonna do now that's a great description uh, but now nah, man I mean because the other side to it is, is you seem like you you like to have a good time you seem like a fun guy you seem like you know that your sound is very different than than you just talking about it, which is very <laughs> unique. Like you, a lot of times people are like, you meet. I talk to artists, and they're like, if they're all their music is like dark and brooding, they feel like that they need to put on that full dark and brooding thing. And uh, mm-hmm. I don't get that vibe from you. I get that more like, no, I needed to find my way in life. So this is the shit I did, and I had a good time. I got great stories. And uh, I dress with a giant beer shirt on, like a like it was a poncho. Yeah. Well, I feel like it's you limit yourself if you're. If, I don't. I don't like being limited to just that one persona, musically or in life. You know, it's. Uh, I want to be able to play any genre if I want and make it sound authentic. You know, and you can't just I think limit yourself in that way. Artist. Artists that you want to play with that you've never like, and don't give me something like if you give me somebody crazy that no one has ever heard of, you're gonna to have to explain them. Keep that in mm-hmm. mind. Can so we bring Beethoven back to life? Well, we <sighs> that could smell bad. That could smell bad. Oh, oh I'll, I'll put up with it. Man, I could have played one of my favorite game shows that I created on here with you. That is three artists that you can bring back that have passed away. And why would you bring them back? And would they have any impact on today's music like would they legitimately and like for me it was uh kurt cobain uh janice joplin and um god now that i'm having uh al green not al green but uh marvin gay excuse me and marvin gay those were my three and i've always felt like i could see kurt cobain would probably be doing the same thing that uh, uh nova Selig's doing you know, advocating for things and, and being a, a big in that world, he probably wouldn't be doing music anymore. I just don't feel like he would he would have cared anymore. Mm. Uh, Janice Joplin, I think, would end up she would have ended up as like a celebrity judge on things, and they would <laughs> like kind of 
is. Like, like I could see her like, oh, your voice coach on uh, The Voice is going to be Janice Joplin. Oh, that'd be awesome. Right. Like, I could Have see that. Have her as a vocal coach. Right. And then uh, Marvin Gaye, I felt like, would be another one that would be, he would be coming out, maybe doing a tour, but, like, would have been, like, a big activist voice. Like, we would still hear Marvin Gaye's voice, and uh, there would be a lot more babies in the world if Marvin Gaye was alive. A lot <laughs> more babies. There'd be so many babies. Do you have, like, I know I'm kind of throwing this one out there because I was thinking about it. Good uh, question. Uh, do you have, like, do you have, even if you got one that you're thinking of, like, yeah, you know what, if this guy was back, you know, and not, like, I guess Beethoven, I mean. I think I would bring back Beethoven, man. I, uh, I'd want to just, why? I'd want to have a conversation with him. I mean, he'd probably have it in German, but I could Google Translate and eventually figure it out, I think. Um, I just want to talk to him and see what it was like to create music deaf on a professional worldwide level and you know just to ha even 10 minutes just to see what he says to things do you think like he that. would still be relevant though do you know who beethoven is i know who beethoven is but i'm saying but you know what i mean most people do and so that's that's my point is if everyone still knows the first three bars of the fifth symphony this i think it'd be relevant I mean, there's a reason we true. still know his name. So I have to tell you, so when you said you were from uh, Idaho, I had to reach out to my, this is weird, two weeks, two, two Saturday shows in a row, two people from Idaho, two musicians. Uh, so I had to reach out to her and verify that she was from there. So have you met Taryn Hatfield yet? I mean, it's possible. Uh, it well, doesn't Taryn is up. She's in Seattle now, but she was from Boise and she just sent me a message because I asked her, I said, where was it from? She was from Boise. And she said that twin, she went to Twin Falls at least once or twice. It's like two hours east of Boise. Well, yeah, it's like two hours southeast probably. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. She said, so look at that. I'm like, I was big in Montana for like a couple of episodes, like hitting the Montana scene. And now I'm going to be big in Idaho. Yeah, I mean, beat that bitches. It's a small big world. It's a small world. If you're gonna be big, be big in Idaho. I wish, I wish you the dude. Best. That's a t-shirt. And endless potatoes. That's a great t-shirt for you. Oh no, that would no, be no, such no. a great t-shirt. Come on now, if you're gonna be big, be big in Idaho, and you could just have a big potato on it. You, you make me the shirt. I'll wear. I would make that shirt. I. Right. Uh, you're messing with the wrong guy who's figured out how to use Canva. Oh no. Yeah, I, all right. You actually I have, make it. I have Canva skills, not very good ones. Like all my posts for, with you this week were made on Canva. So mess with me. I will Canva you a t-shirt and send that all shit. Right. And we'll expect on a show, okay. at, on a stage, you wearing a show that's – because I'm going to send you a shirt. shirt I've after worn the show worse. Ever. I guarantee it. I've worn worse. Well, you said you wore a, a, a beer shirt cut like a poncho I've or had something. some wardrobe malfunctions, yes. Oh, uh, no. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. Like, um, let's see. So I was playing a sold out show at the key club in Hollywood before it shut down RIP. Um, and it was like this big event, you know, I was real excited to play there. Uh, and I would, I would wear skinny jeans, of course, and it's really uncomfortable to wear underwear when you're wearing skinny jeans. Oh no. So I wouldn't wear underwear to go in commando. And, uh, I was, you know, had the guitars playing the first song of like a 30 minute set. And I just hear like a rip feel like a rip right there in the crotch and so you know it's i just breezy in here yeah i just kind of spent the rest of the show 
at a certain point you just have to be like well if it's if they see it they see it and it's not going to stop the show so you might as well pretend like it's not happening so just kind of try to keep the guitar relatively positioned <laughs> strategically you know but no one said anything so well, think i mean that's worried. a double-edged sword i guess isn't it if nobody said anything it's kind of like yeah did you guys yeah. not know my junk wow. was hanging out wow now i gotta think about that now that's wow. like a whole thing <laughs> did you did you not real like folks Who did knows? you not did you not know my junk was hanging out or was it like you didn't know my junk was hanging? like which one was it that was i doing i'll never job? know i'll never it's know tough. unless someone's got it filmed hmm. yeah the world may never know and the world may never know. This is great. Brother, you are welcome back anytime. This is such fun. And I love road stories. I do. I've always found that completely fascinating to me. Oh, uh, I've got endless. Yeah. Like, that's why, you know, any before we get ready to close the bar up, any more you want to share? I love road stories. Um, I'm trying to think of a good one. Not, no, I'll, I'll think of some. And next time, next time I'll have some for you. Have me some good, bro. I always just find it completely fascinating to me, just the entire process of living out on the road. And you hear such, you know, people who have been like yourself, just, you know, the van down by the river style, trying to make it oh, happen yeah. to, you know, guys that are like, we trashed hotel rooms and never thought anything of it. And we moved on with our I, lives. And I used to stack furniture. That was kind of my thing in hotel rooms. I would when I left, I would just stack as many pieces of furniture as high as possible. Very <laughs> immature, strange thing to do. But that was kind of my thing. But it made you feel like a rock star, didn't it? I think I just did it because I was bored. <laughs> to some level, maybe. I don't know. Uh, well, anytime out there in uh, the Portland area, got any shows, any open mics, anything coming up that, that folks could find you at? I'll definitely cue you in on that. Uh, no, not yet. Right no, now. no, it's mostly just album work right now. I'm just trying to get this thing finished up. All right, and it where where all can everybody find the album on February seventeenth? Oh, it'll be everywhere. It'll be you know iTunes, YouTube, Spotify, whatever choice streaming site you decide to use. It should be there. Can they follow you on Apple right now and pre-order the app? Uh, or yeah, anything? I mean the single's out on on all those sites right now, so yeah, you can go there. Um, I don't, oh, you're gonna, oh, you got oh, that clip? No, it's, um, can you, it's, do you have a clip you can play for me right now? Uh, how would we link it in? Let's see if I can figure this out. So as I mean, guys, of course I can send you the file. Well, you could I send can. me the file, but I if I do this properly, and I I apologize. Normally, I'm much better at this. Um, and I'm not going to give you the, the why because it just would be – I can't say people are like, well, this, this is why I didn't do it. Nah, it'd be just shitty. So here we go, folks. You ready? Here we are. Um, bah, 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 turn my phone up, which was turned down. you got a haunting ass voice you got oh, a haunt that's a huge compliment i mean that's the goal i always try to make it something eerie but 
pretty at the same time, I guess. It's haunting. It's absolutely haunting. Well, we're going to get ready to close the bar up there, folks. We got to put a close the sign up. Oligarchy's got to get back to. uh, Got to pay my tab. He's got to pay his tab. He's got to dispatch some amazing music uh, out for all of our ears to listen. You like that? I tied the shit together. You didn't think I could do it. I I tied the shit together. You know, dispatch some great music. I like it. So we're going to get ready to close the bar up. As always, folks. You're going to find the live, the uh, podcast version of this tomorrow. We'll go out at 7 a.m. So on all your streaming services, if you haven't done it yet, make sure you go on there. I don't care if you're on Spotify, if you're on Stitcher, if you're on Podbean, if you're on Apple, whatever it is, make sure you go and look up the Above the Bar podcast. You'll see this beautiful mug and that same logo that's up in the corner right now if you're watching the live version. And you can go ahead and subscribe to this. That way, every week, you know what's going on. You know what's happening. As we say, everyone's welcome at the bar. So make sure you find out who's been hanging out with us. If you want to find us on Instagram, Twitter, Twitch, Facebook, they are all the Above the Bar podcast. The only one, even our LinkedIn is the Above the Bar podcast. The only one that's off its mark, and that's because Twitter just is Twitter, is at Above the Bar 4. Once I become rich and famous and have to move to L.A. to do the podcast and can't do it from my basement any longer, Maybe then Twitter will give me a check mark and then I can be the Above the Bar podcast on Twitter. But as we're getting ready to close this up, make sure you go ahead and you check out and get your copy of Until There's Nothing Left to Imagine by Oligarchy Withers, which we didn't even get into where that comes from. So much we still can talk about. Oh, there's uh, this this is the tip of the iceberg. Yeah, it's just a tip. And just ask him when his pants ripped. Um, we did that again. Say that. Saw that how, how that happened. So, I did. <laughs> all right, brother man, do not log off. We got some okay. talking to do air cool. after here, cool. after out some after hours talking. Perfect. Uh, for everyone who, who's hanging out with us, thank you so much. We always appreciate you. Uh, oligarchy, you get the last, the guest always gets the last word, so you get the last word. And what is it? Let's have a nightcap. All righty, folks. And thank Alrighty, you, but- thank you, anyone who was watching. We um, sincerely appreciate it, and thank you to Sean for having me. All righty, folks, be sure to push your stool in. This has been an Earplug Podcast presentation found on EarplugPodcast.com, iTunes, SoundCloud, and wherever your favorite podcasts are found.